of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am. The Chancellor. Yeah, baby. Master <laughs> Marcus Zill. A professor of the church and one of my mentors and my campus ministry fathers, John Pless from Fort Wayne Concordia Theological Seminary. How are you doing today? Very good, Marcus. Great to be with you. You serve at Fort Wayne. You've been there, what, in, is it 18 years, 19 years? Uh, almost going into year number 20. I came here in uh, 2000, so... Okay, and you came yeah. from... Campus University of Lutheran Chapel in Minneapolis. <clears throat> and we're looking forward to, hopefully we'll both be up there for that uh, new dedication of uh, ULC Minnesota 2.0. As, uh, That's as my it, plan too. Yes. Yeah, so uh, anyways, thank you for your service to campus ministry. Uh, you were, were always so uh, gracious to me as a, as a young pup and uh, still as an old pup. <laughs> anyways, a book about the small catechism. And this isn't your first book about the small catechism. What was the impetus to drive you to write this book, which is entitled Luther's Small Catechism, a, a Manual for Discipleship? Well, it's it's one of those things that just kind of has been fermenting pretty much all of my um, life as pastor. And uh, to think about my um, love for catechism, uh, I have to go back to my own confirmation pastor, had a very good uh, uh confirmation pastor. He taught catechism well. He knew it well. He lived it. And the catechism is a book that really did kind of stick with me through thick and thin in college and seminary, even, you know, during uh, times when uh, the faith I learned as a catechumen was being uh, challenged, even in the context of a Lutheran college mm -hmm. by uh, professors who were not committed to the Holy Scriptures and uh, uh, to Lutheran theology, and so the catechism was always kind of an anchor point, I think. Uh, then I was um, graduated from seminary and went to serve, first of all, at uh, Chapel of the Resurrection under Norman Nagel at Valparaiso University, and uh, one of the responsibilities given me there was teaching a class which Dr. Nagel entitled Christian Essentials, and so I was regularly, each quarter, uh, teaching a class uh, for number of students, sometimes, uh, you know, 10, 12 students who were uh, not Lutheran, who were looking to be uh, either baptized or uh, confirmed. And it's really out of that experience when I got to University of Minnesota, Minneapolis, that I wrote my first manual on of catechetics, a little book called Didache. Know it well, and, I used it for 20 years. Yeah, and so that in that adult instruction course, 
uh, used uh, the scriptures, the catechism, and the hymnal. Mm -hmm. Thought being that our doctrine is drawn from the Bible, confessed in the catechism, expressed in the liturgy. Fast uh, forward from Minneapolis to Fort Wayne. When I came on faculty here, one of my responsibilities was to teach uh, the course on catechetics, uh, substance and art of teaching catechism. The number of years teaching that course, I wrote a book published by CPH in 2016, uh, Praying Luther's Small Catechism. And then uh, most recently, the book we're talking about today, Luther's Small Catechism, A Manual for Discipleship. Uh, Both of these books uh, really grow out of my experience dating back to Valparaiso University, University of Minnesota, uh, teaching here at the seminary in Fort Wayne, and also since 2009, serving as a guest professor at Lutheran Theological Seminary, Pretoria, South Africa. And so what I have tried to do is to distill some things I've learned about catechism uh, from actually using and teaching the catechism. I haven't read the whole thing, just got it in the mail literally yesterday and uh, read about a third of it. And I was stunned. You start off by uh, saying in the preface, um, discipleship is not an extraterrestrial activity. What do you mean by that? And, and what, what is discipleship? How do we define it? And how is it commonly well, used? Uh, first of all, you know, to be a disciple is to be a learner. And Dr. Martin Luther uh, liked to say that the Christian is an eternal pupil, that um, we continue to learn from Christ as he calls us to himself. <clears throat> One of the unique things about discipleship in the New Testament is that uh, Jesus actually calls the disciples. You know, that's contrast to rabbinic Judaism of the first century, wherein um, in, in Judaism, if you, uh, you had uh, men who wanted to study Torah, and so they would go and find a rabbi that they were impressed with, and then they would have to convince the rabbi that they were worthy students. You don't see any of that with Jesus. Uh, Jesus instead goes and he calls men to follow him. He calls Levi from the tax collector table, uh, come follow me. He calls James and John from their fishing nets. And so Jesus is the is the one who actually uh, makes disciples uh, for himself. And that's really where the catechism comes mm. in. That um, third article of the creed, we confess that um, I believe that not by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me uh, by the gospel. So the teaching that disciples are learning is uh, in the catechism. It's distilled from Holy Scripture. In fact, uh, the Book of Concord calls the small catechism the um, Bible of the laity. Not that it uh, replaces the Scripture, but that it is a condensation and summary of all that the Scripture contains and teaches. Now, you also ask uh, about the phrase I use in the book, that discipleship is not extraterrestrial activity. Uh, That is, in discipleship, Jesus calls us unto himself so that we walk by faith in his words, but he does not call us out of the world. He doesn't call us into a monastic uh, community. He doesn't call us away from uh, the ordinary places of life, like living in a congregation. Or a college uh, campus. Living on a college campus in a civic community, or living in a household, a family, a workplace. 
And and so one of the emphases I wanted to kind of strike in the book was to uh, pick up on what Lutherans understand as really the doctrine of vocation, that we are called to faith in Christ, and in being called to this faith, we are also called to a life of love that is lived for the sake of the neighbor. And that really um, is one of the connecting points, I think, with campus ministry, and one of the great joys I had as a campus pastor was uh, shepherding and guiding uh, young people, uh, students uh, who were, you know, thinking about how it is going to be that they're going to live out their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only on campus, but beyond the campus in, um, uh, in these other places of life. So now you also, you su- the subtitle of the book, <laughs> A Manual for discipleship, you know, sometimes we hear the word manual and we think, oh my gosh, that's the thing that I have in the glove compartment of my car if something breaks down. You don't think of a manual that way. Well, you, you think of it as a field yeah. manual. Unpack field that manual. In, in, What in is fact, a field manual? Uh, in, in fact, my original title for the book was a small criticism, a field manual for discipleship uh, for uh their own reasons, I guess, uh, the editors, the people at CPH, and they did a great job, by the way, working well, sure. on the book. But they um, they dropped out the field part, so it's just manual. I wanted to use the uh, the image of field manual. You know, Marcus, I was in Boy Scouts, and um, every good Boy Scout would have the Boy Scout handbook, and that mm-hmm. is the, uh, you know, the manual that you take out on your camping trips. You kind of learn from the manual how to identify various flora and fauna, uh, how to engage in survival techniques, all that kind of good stuff. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a manual that you have there in the backpack, hence the field manual, something you take along with you for the journey. And that's really how I think Dr. Luther envisioned the small catechism. He talked about it as an incredium, a little book in hand. It's not just kind of an operator's manual like you get when you buy a, uh, you know, when you buy a, a, a laptop or when you buy a car that you uh, use in case the the thing isn't functioning right. It's it's really a kind of a map would be a better image, I think. Maybe um, a map for where the Christian life is going to go as it's lived out in faith toward Christ and within uh, the contours also of this uh, fallen world in which we live. I used to always make my catechumens um, cover their catechism with an old map. <laughs> Just, hey, to, just to teach them, you know, like they do in the class where they have to cover their, their grade school books up with, with paper bags or whatever. You know, because yeah. you take a map, you're going to get dropped in the middle of nowhere. You don't have no idea where you're going, but you need some things to highlight for you to help figure out where you're going to be, some markers. And mm-hmm. uh, the map helps you find your way through the totality of the thing, even though you've never seen the whole thing. Um, right. And, and you think of that, you know, again, with the scriptures and this image that the confessions, Lutheran confessions use of the Bible, or the catechism is Bible of the laity. Uh, the Bible is a big book. In fact, it's uh, actually 66 books. And, um, yes, you want to read the scripture and digest the whole counsel of God. Uh, but it's easy also to get lost in the Bible if you simply start uh, a plan to read through from Genesis to Revelation uh, you can get, uh, you know, caught up on some detours that uh, might prevent you from, from ever reaching Revelation. But the Catechism really does provide kind of a map and a compass uh, for reading and understanding uh, the Holy, Holy Scripture. 
You know, as I was reading through the, the book, trying to get some prep work for the show here, um, given my own love for college students and campus ministry, which you share, I was um, noticed the uh, the reference you have in there early on to uh, Luther's 1541 tract, the appeal to prayer against the Turks. Of course, I've read and heard this paragraph a hundred times, but it kind of just hit me like a lightning bolt and struck me differently when thinking about the context that many of our young people face on campus today. If I could just read it again, I'd love to get your thoughts on sure. how this kind of ties into the use of our catechism on a college campus today. And I quote as Luther, Finally, I strongly urge that the children be taught the catechism. Should they be taken captive in the invasion, they will at least take something of the Christian faith with them. Who knows what God might be able to accomplish through them? Joseph, as a 17-year-old youth, was sold into slavery into Egypt. But he had God's word and knew what he believed, end quote. And it strikes me that we just kind of have a different invasion. We have kind of a secular progressive invasion that's kind of taking over our college campuses, which serve as the incubator of ideas, good, bad, and, and ugly. It seems to me that this is precisely where we need a field manual. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the uh, world of the contemporary university can be a religious maze of pluralism, uh, nihilism, all kinds of uncertainty. We need to prepare our young people, uh, those who are learning catechism, uh, how to navigate that. You know, we don't tell our, our people, stay away from the university. We're not sectarians. Uh, right. We believe that uh, the works of the Lord are to be studied and we delight in that kind of inquiry in the sciences and history and the arts, um, that's a good and godly. Uh, but they need to be able to uh, raise uh, critical questions, to ask uh, the right questions. And you see, the catechism really does help us ask the right Absolutely. questions. Uh, who is God? What is this business of fearing, loving, and trusting in him above all things? And the biblical question, where is this written? Because catechism is always taking us back uh, to the prophetic and apostolic word, to the scriptures. And one of the things I appreciate uh, also about the 2017 explanation of Luther's small catechism is that it very intentionally includes this kind of apologetic edge to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it gives uh, catechumens and catechists who are teaching catechism at least uh, some kind of text to uh, hang a discussion on, like what is the relationship between science and faith? Or how do we understand the confession that there is only one God in a context where people are claiming many different deities and many different paths to what they would call kind of ultimate you know, reality? The catechism and, and the teaching of the catechism is done in a preemptive kind of way. And um, I may be so bold here, this is, I wanted it to be kind of a, an extension of what, of the basic knowledge of the faith that uh, people would learn in catechetical classes, typically in the seventh, eighth grade uh, years of elementary school, maybe a bit younger in some cases, uh, but thereabouts. Uh, but where do you go from here, and how do you continue then to use the catechism, not simply as a textbook, everybody knows, especially college students, knows what you do with the textbook once the course is over. Sure. Uh, you shelve it or you take it to the resale shop or uh, you um, 
uh, you know, you put it on eBay, whatever. Not so with the catechism. It's it's a book that we are to keep with us, and and that even in all the twists and turns of life, as we grow, as things change, uh, as we move into new uh, places, meet new people, confronted with new challenges, uh, there's something tried and true that goes with us. You know, and, and so we learn to pray the catechism and sure. understand uh, the catechism as as something that we're growing up and into, to use the words of C.S. Lewis. I, I've been trying to, um, to really hammer home with those that are preparing to go to college to not view education the way we're taught today, which is it's about getting good grades, it's about getting your degree, getting a credential, but just simply to cultivate the joy of learning for learning's sake. And it seems to me that uh, anything that we can do with the catechism to turn it into the field manual that Luther intended it to be will only have a have a benefit because it'll be serving us throughout our life. Right. And, and just I really like your definition there, you know, of education. It's not simply uh, this kind of quantitative grasp of knowledge so that I get a degree and can get a job and earn an income. Good education really ought to be about teaching people how to think. Likewise, uh, the kind of training that goes on with catechism is not simply uh, to make of, you know, eighth graders little, uh, you know, kind of miniature professors of theology so that they know uh, all this biblical lore and all this doctrinal data, but it's really to teach them how to think as Christians, and even more specifically, how to think as Lutherans, how to think um, in a way in which all of life is oriented toward the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, and finds its heart and center uh, in the confession that uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord, who's redeemed me, lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, that I may be his own live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. That's kind of the heart and the heart of the catechism. Then you use the catechism in that sense as a way of exercising your own capacity to think in these Lutheran categories, which indeed are scriptural categories. If you were going to go back, you're 20 years removed now, you love college kids, you love students, and I'm so grateful, as many of us are that are listening, that you're there teaching future pastors how to be catechists in the, in the church and home. But if you were our campus pastors out there today, how would you think about incorporating the catechism in a much more rigorous way to kind of emphasize that this is not just something that you, know, that you used four years ago when you were confirmed in the church? A couple of things come to mind, Marcus. Um, it was Wilhelm Lea who uh, said back in the middle of the 19th century that of all the catechisms in Christendom, uh, Luther's catechism alone could be prayed. And I actually kind of tested that out and found that Lea was true um, in the uh, previous book, Praying Luther's Small Catechism, that you can take any part of the small catechism, turn it into a prayer. I think I would emphasize even more than I did um, – 20 years ago back in Minneapolis, uh, that we ought to learn how to pray the catechism. Uh, the new uh, explanation, the 2017 explanation, actually includes a prayer based on the catechism 
as well as a hymn stanza that reflects a particular mm. section of the catechism. And so I would emphasize uh, using the catechism in your own devotional life. I think uh, sometimes students are kind of floundering around, well, what should I do for my quiet time, or what should I do for my devotional life? Uh, well, maybe rather than always looking for a new daily devotional book or a new uh, kind of app or program uh, you know, for Bible reading and reflection, uh, to simply go back and use uh, the Catechism, along with the Holy Scriptures, of course, and uh, to learn how to pray the Catechism. And that's the beautiful thing about the, the Catechism, the, the 2017, is that you can't dive into the Catechism without diving back into the Scriptures and the hymnal. You get all three. Right. You, you can't, right. you they, can't they, avoid it. <laughs> they, 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 they go together. Yeah. I think the second thing I would um, uh, do is um, think about how the Catechism whether it's the Ten Commandments or the Creed or Table of Duties or Lord's Prayer, Baptism, whatever, uh, connects uh, with everything that you're kind of experiencing uh, in, in, in life. Sure. Uh, that There's no aspect of life that is not uh, unconnected uh, from the Catechism. And, and so I would uh, see the Catechism as a kind of a skeleton yeah, we flesh it out with additional teaching. We, uh, we, we draw applications out of the catechism uh, to things that, uh, you know, good old Luther never even dreamed about, like transhumanism and, uh, and, and so forth. But it's, uh, you know, everything we need is, is, is there. A uh, number of years ago, you, you had this little saying, you know, everything I need to know in life I learned in kindergarten. Sure. Uh, I think the Christian can say everything I need to know in life I learned in the catechism and that not be a, a, you know, a reductionistic or I uh, can continue to learn in the catechism but because you're continuing uh, to learn, learn, you know, uh, well, and that's great. what Luther said himself, you know, even though I'm right. as learned as they are, I still got to go back to this thing go back a... and, and, and pray it day by day. Sure. And, uh, the other, uh, you know, great illustration I like to use is from the, uh, a German preacher, theologian of the last century, Helmut Tiedeke, who said that when we teach a young man uh, the catechism, it's like we're putting a boy of 12 years old in a, his father's suit of clothing. Hmm. It doesn't really fit. It's too big. Uh, the kid is kind of flopping around the sleeves of the jacket or the suit coat hang over his uh, fingers. Uh, his uh, The pants slip down slip down around his his knees like a, a Chicago, Detroit rapper or something and uh, uh, he's just kind of swallowed up in it. But uh, Tidica goes on to say if you just put that boy of 12 in a suit of clothing that would fit for the moment um, six months later he would be bursting the seams. He'd be growing out of it. And, and Tidica says, you know, the catechism might seem a bit oversized for a 12 year old but it's actually a suit of clothing that he grows into, and and wears his whole life. <laughs> yeah, and and you're and you're continuing to grow into it. I mean, you think of something like the Lord's Prayer. I don't ever remember a time uh, when I didn't know the Lord's Prayer. But you know, I prayed the Lord's Prayer as a child too, very differently than I prayed it when I was twenty years old. No, oh, absolutely. And I and I prayed it differently when I was forty than I did when I was twenty, and I 
pray it differently now at age 66 uh, than I did at 40. And when I come to die, I think I'll probably be praying the Lord's Prayer differently uh, than I'm praying it today. You know, it's, it's a text that is so spacious, uh, so much room, so much elasticity for growth. And, and that's what I'd like to instill, uh, especially I think with our college students, that this is a text that they can continue to grow into, even as they are learning all kinds of uh, useful and maybe not so useful things sometimes at university. Absolutely. Amen. Well, I could talk to you all day. John, thank you for this uh, tremendous work, Luther Small Catechism Emanuel for Discipleship. Get it at CPH. And uh, anyways, thanks for all you do. And uh, thanks for joining us today in the Student Union. Marcus, it was absolutely a delight to be with you. And it's always uh, good to revisit campus ministry. It's, as you mentioned, it remains, even after 20 years, close to my heart and, uh, and have so many... Uh, good memories uh, of uh, being a campus pastor and also our work together back in those days Absolutely. and work that has continued uh, even in today, even though I'm now at, uh, at seminary and not in campus ministry. Uh, I'm glad we have these opportunities on a regular basis to reconnect. Take care, my friend. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.